That's a really good show. Welcome to the NVG Podcast. My name is Will, and here's my co-host. What's his name? I'm David. Hi. That's a pretty cool name. (laughs) That's all right. It does mean beloved. Or, or, and just, it just means nothing. (laughs) I mean, it could be, I suppose. Um, What does it mean, beloved, in what language? Oh, gosh, my voice. (laughs) What happened to you? (coughs) Uh, Latin? Latin? Pagan? I don't know. I don't think pagan is a, is a is a language, man. I don't think it's a language either. I just learned that it'd be uh, nice to look that up. I just learned that uh, our current image of Santa Claus actually came from Coca Cola from some artist in 1931. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's that's kind of hilarious. Did you also know the modern incarnation of uh, of Santa Claus, which is commonly associated with Christmas, which is a Christian holiday, yeah. is uh, is a very much a pagan idol. Oh yeah, and then well, I guess uh, I guess Zeus or no, it's Odin. Mm-hmm. I guess Odin like used to fly around, and I don't, mm-hmm. know, if, I don't know if he delivered presents. Yeah, but there's had, all like, these like white beard, crazy like, connections to <laughs> all the all the like old old religions. Oh, and, old. and then I heard about like like mistletoe, like that that came about from uh, like druids, like you know, um, that philandering with nymphs and whatnot yep about something like that for us kind of oh i was really just like trying to put two and two together that's funny yeah, yeah. so, so if right. you have a whole bunch of mistletoe uh-huh. like yeah you need the it's like you're summoning the spirit of a nymph which is nymph, yeah oh but if you have, just have one you just kiss no big deal so mm. so you have more the implications you, <laughs> you go to different bases oh. <laughs> i'll keep that in mind um <laughs> so yeah so that's definitely not what this episode's about um this episode is going to be about no boundaries in right. video games and by no boundaries we kind of mean open world games oh my gosh my computer just oh no there is the computer pooped it pooped for a second okay okay as computers are wont to do <laughs> So uh, now that we're specifying, it's actually more about open world games. Do you actually have anything outside of open world games that that kind of refer to the no boundaries in games? Like, like in terms of, uh, uh, I guess there's really no games that actually give you the ability to make, like, uh, I don't know, like the like a crazy amount of decisions. They're usually always like the one or two, and so they can branch it off a lot easier. Right? Can you think of any games that actually do? Like the, you can do anything and it will affect all the things. That kind of thing. I, I think Fable kind of did that, right? Fable, Back in the day? but I always think of Witcher. Witcher 3, but that's... that's yeah, but, the, but Witcher 3 is like, it's like this weird thing where even though you can make a lot of decisions and do a lot of things, it's still pretty pretty structured in the way it branches, you know? <coughs> well, I mean... In terms of, they're giving you the decisions that you can make. I'm talking about, I think... The reason why I reference uh, Fable is because you know how in Fable, like, it just, like, it starts tallying everything that you do pretty much from the start of the game, and that starts to affect your appearance, it starts mm. to affect people's uh, reaction to you, it starts to affect your ability to be able to get certain quests from people, like, it's all... How they react to your dancing or farting. Yeah. It's like a whole, it's a whole thing. I mean, it's about as close as you can get to, like, a, an adaptive AI or whatever, but even then, I guess that still kind of had paths, like, people would react at... 
probably I'm sure there's like a variable in the background like that ticks up like evil, yeah. uh, town fool that that kind of thing. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah. Anyways, I just was I just thought about that when I looked at the topic because we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna go into open world games. Man. I, I honestly did. I think I did forget about Fable when I was thinking about open world games, but well, I mean Fable. I didn't. I don't think I considered an open world game because it really was just like it gave you a couple stages that you can go to. Nah, it's totally open world. Because you can you can pretty much do whatever you want, and uh, I mean you don't you could dink around for I think forever, and then all of a sudden and then do the quest whenever you want. Right, but I think about like the the size of the game. I guess a lot of a lot of times uh, open worlds are associated with giant games. Like the game wasn't huge. Well, I mean you could you could take the whole game like just finding wives and sure. make a whole town of wives, and and then they end up killing each other, but. So in that case, it would be an open-ended game. I don't think it would be really an open-world game. Mm, no, still open-world. I think it's open-world. Sure, world. sure, man. <laughs> yeah. Teach his own. Also, Fable is a good game. I remember that game. That's good. Game. I don't think I ever played the second one or the third one. Really? Oh. No. I've only played the second and third. Yeah, see, I liked it, and then I was like, this is good. This this occupies a good memory. I don't want to ruin it with the sequel. Maybe this just turns into the Fable podcast. Or not. <laughs> or not. Or not. Let's get into this, man. <laughs> All right. What so do you actually, got now? Uh, we're actually going to go back into time a little bit um, and talk about... Insert sound effect here. Yeah. And uh, we're going to talk about the first open world games. Um, the first one is called Jet Rocket, and that was made by Sega in 1970. Uh, it was kind of a... It was just, it was just a flight sim- simulator game. And... Uh, Technically, I think because it was not an actual game, it was just simulating flight. They don't no. technically call it the first video game that's an open world game. Now, I guess before we get into this, how would you define an open world game? That probably would be a better way to, to start off. I pretty much, you know, for open world, I, I suppose it's just something that has a sandbox area for the, realistically. So you would consider like a Minecraft to be an open world game? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're thinking an open world game is is a game that throws you into a, into a world, establishes that there are systems that play in this world, and then just gives you free reign yeah, of, with like, what you do with those. Do what you want to do. Okay. Okay. I mean, I kind of figured like we should have immediately defined that up front, but probably. But That's this fine. works. This works. We're good. <laughs> okay. So Jet Rocket, you would say. More of a simulator, less of an open world game. There's yeah. less systems to pl- in play other other than the fact that it was a flight simulator. And it, I mean, those are different altogether. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then this one I actually thought was a little funny. Uh, they actually say that Gunfight is the first open world video game. Okay. Um, that was made in 1975 by Taito. What console was this on? Uh, probably Atari. Actually, it's probably arcade, really. Okay. Um, it kind of reminds me of of Pong, except uh, you're trying to shoot each other, and there are obstacles in the way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, but it's it's not scrolling. You're just like, you're like, oh, I'm on the screen, and try to shoot each other. Hmm. But the fact that you can wander around anywhere, I think they kind of say, hey, that's a sandbox. <laughs> we're like really stretching that definition <laughs> of open world, but I yeah, think a little bit. I think I kind of get what they were what they're going for in terms of. It, they they drop you into a world that gives you systems mm. and then tells you you can technically you have a goal but you don't have to follow that yeah it's you, just you it, could just shoot around in circles i 
that's really getting down to like the the very much the semantics of what an open world game yeah. is. Yeah. It, well, it's n- it's just not the definition of modern day open world, realistically. Oh, true. It's not a not a quote unquote triple A open world Ubisoft, Activision, EA open world game. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then actually, uh, uh, Tato, I guess that's how you say that. Uh, Tato in the same year uh, made Interceptor, which okay. was is actually I, technically the first sandbox. It's just another flight simulator where mm-hmm. you just you can fly around in all directions and you just shoot planes. Oh, and it seems like they're all just like pro, they're all procedurally generated. Yeah, it just kind of pops out of the corners, pops out of the top of the screen, and you just like bam, gotcha uh, thing. But there's no actual um, like landmarks. You don't. You just see. You just randomly fly around seeing planes. Oh, and it looks like they remade the game too. Yeah, they remade it. They remade it, remade it a few times actually. That's pretty and they cool. Say, like. Well, they like before it was just it was just like you're looking out the cockpit. You didn't see like the instruments and everything. And later iterations, you can see instruments and you can see like yeah. if you're upside down and all that. Well, that's pretty cool. All these games, I don't think I would have ever played. No, I would have never played. Well, I don't know. I might play the gunfight game, but uh, of I'm not, course I'm not you really... would. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> well, I'm I'm sure you could make a fun uh, like Bomberman type game out of that realistically true true yeah um and then and this is and honestly like the flight simulator games are just not appealing to me at all not me neither yeah i'm actually really not good at any of the flight games i actually played ace combat back in the day and some reason i enjoyed it back then even though i completely sucked at it um but i've never gotten back into yeah. flight simulator. actually the only one i really played uh oh i can't remember what crimson skies for the xbox i don't know if you ever played that one. i think everybody played crimson oh, skies because yes. it was one of like Fly. it was one of the one of the one of the best games on xbox early on it was like uh i say it's kind of like a, a mario kart battle mode but in planes yeah pretty yeah. much it was good oh so fun um, and then next up was, uh, and I'm going to butcher this, but Hyankyo, Hyankyo <laughs> Alien. Uh, we'll go with that last one. I think, I think it was perfect. So this game looks like almost a, like a Pac-Man clone, but mm-hmm. not quite. Yeah. Um, kinda. So I thought this was interesting. So it was made, to, made in 1979 mm-hmm. and it was created by the University of Tokyo's theatrical science group. Which just seems so random. Um, oh, you said it's before Pac-Man. Yeah, it's actually before Pac-Man. Okay, um, that's cool. So think of this one as uh, Pac-Man, except you're trying to capture the ghost. Uh, you kind of okay. you pump up these bubbles and you catch them in the bubble. Okay. And but it was kind of weird because it doesn't seem like you can. There's like a limit to how many bubbles you can set up. Uh-huh. So it seems like a really easy strategy that you just get in a intersection, you put a bubble above north or north and south west and east mm-hmm. and you're just protected and you just wait for them to get in there Seems i'm sure of, you could cheese it that way but yeah, there's probably, probably also like a timer in between you can place the bubbles and yeah yeah maybe well i'm not really sure i didn't see that far then again like you were we said in the um one of the earlier final fantasy episodes that it definitely seems like there are certain things that maybe the developers weren't really thinking about and but they accidentally did and they've kind of created a culture based around those things <laughs> without you know actually being um cognizant of the things they contributed to the to the gaming world you know i mean considering who made it I, i'm pretty sure they were just like let's let's just have some fun right right no i get it yeah i get it um and then actually so after that 
uh, came Rally X. Have you ever played Rally X? Have you heard of that one? I think I might have actually played this in like a like in a retro arcade or something yeah. back so, in the day. So this one's uh, was made in 1980 uh, by Namco, and <coughs> sorry, I actually might have paid it on like one of those Namco Super Collections or oh, something. Oh yeah, there you go. Maybe uh, this game actually looks. Uh, I think it looks legit. Uh, I think it looks a lot of lot of fun. Um, it looks maybe for my younger self, it would have been a lot more if fun. If you maybe. actually saw it in motion, I did. Oh, you did. Yeah. Okay. So I I, I don't know. I thought I, I, you got fun doing it. Uh, I'm sure. Actually. It seems like one of those games where if you had four like four screens going at the same time and then everybody's playing Ooh, on their own yeah. screen, it seems like it would be one of those, um, definitely like a retro party game that would probably be pretty fun. But I don't think it, it doesn't seem like it was an actual co-op game. It was a, definitely a single player. Looks so, like. so for the listening audience, uh, think of it kind of like Pac-Man where you are, you're, but you're a car and you're being chased by other cars. Mm-hmm. And except for the, the screen actually scrolls, you're not just stuck in that. Right, you don't map. view the whole stage yeah. at once. You actually only view the stage around you, which is uh, man, it it, look, it looks uh, definitely looks ahead of its time. Um, well, uh, I read that it actually kind of lends to Grand Theft Auto because if you take yeah, the, the car, you make that the, the you know the car you stole, mm-hmm. the cop, the car is chasing you, make it the cops, and then the objective is to get these flags. But realistically, this is the same thing as getting the little stars to get the. True. The cops off your back or whatever. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it even had a mini map, which is kind of crazy for yeah. a 1980 game. Um, and next up was <laughs> Courageous Perseus. Thank you. As I coughed there, uh, Courageous Perseus and uh, Hydlide. And um, how does it seem like the graphics got worse? <laughs> yeah, I kind of thought the same thing actually. Uh, these were both made in 1984, four years after Rally X. Um, they were made by... Well, I'm not really sure where Crazy uh, Perseus was. I didn't see that. But I did see that Hydline was made by Teen Soft. Have you heard of Teen Soft? Name sounds familiar. I'm pretty sure I should know who this is. Yeah, well, I, you probably shouldn't. <laughs> I, I don't think they made anything big. and I think they went under during the Super Nintendo era. Oh, I like the graphics on Hydline. Yeah, it looks okay. Um, but they both seem to have a similar um, aesthetic in terms of what they wanted to, like the th- the systems that they were trying to accomplish in terms of like life, strength, experience, right. magic. Um, except they had the numbers were a little less obvious on in Courageous Perseus. Yeah. So so to paint a picture for our audience, offense, um, defense, enemies. Yeah. Imagine playing Zelda two, except instead of going into a scrolling battle screen like the um, like side view. Um, yeah, you, you say, were just always there. Yeah, you're always <laughs> on the top ground screen, and uh, and then you actually just touch the enemy and push a button, and it doesn't actually like I, I didn't really see an indicator saying looking like you uh, are actually like hurting it. I just I just see like the health changing on the side. I think it does this thing where it, like calculates like based on what your offense or whatever is and yeah. defense, and then it just takes it away from you or something. Yeah, like but that. isn't like. Like your sword doesn't go out or anything. You're just you're just. Seems like one of those those like uh like the, not rock paper scissors, but it just seems like one of those games that does all the calculations behind the scenes. Yeah. And then you just just get to see, oh yes, I'm still strong enough, and I beat him. <laughs> you're like, oh yes, I'm not dead. Yeah. I won. Yeah, I did a thing. Uh, so and but it's kind of cool because uh you know it has that sat system like modern day RPGs and whatnot. Right. Um, <laughs> honestly, the only difference I saw between the two is. Uh, one you could travel on a raft over the water, and the other one 
had caves you could go in. Right. Also, uh, Highlight has better graphics. Highlight? Yeah. I think it's just different. Like, different. No, different. Oh, in terms of uh, the color palette in Highlight. Um, well, one of them is for the... Co- it was the MSX system, uh, which I yeah. think is like an old computer. But um, the other one's for NES, which... Highlight w- was? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't see that part. Yeah. So it had more. It had it had a more varied color palette, and um, the character sprite did the same thing, where it kind of just touched the thing and then they disappeared. But right. otherwise, it was I think it's relatively the same. I mean, so these two games, though, they're they're kind of their gameplay is more in the vein of what we think of as newer open world games, where you just drop the player in. There's a big map. You just go explore that map and hope you find what you need to find. Essentially, yeah, makes sense. Um, it's also one of those games that definitely looks like it's built heavily on the systems that make it a game yeah, and not so much on, uh, on railroading the player, which definitely lends more towards it being, uh, one of the greater predecessors to, to open world games. I will say of all these games, I don't think I played any of them, <laughs> but I would play the crap out of Rally X, I think. I think Rally X is the only one I think I even have played. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Uh, like I said, I think it was one of the... Namco always releases a whole bunch of their super collections, especially on... Uh, N- not Nintendo, wow. Um, um, PlayStation. I think they had a disc that had all, oh, a yeah, lot of them yeah, on yeah. there. Yeah. I, well, I didn't know they had, like... Uh, I didn't know they went that far back for their collection. Namco is very proud of all of his things. Plus, I think there's copyright things that says if you don't publish anything with a certain works, then it can go into public domain. And so they probably like, yeah. oh, let's uh, republish this thing. That makes sense. Renew our license on on the name or whatever. I thought it was interesting that one because isn't uh, Namco uh, aren't they known for their racing games? I don't know. I don't really play racing games, so you're they, the expert. Here. They did. Um, they did the Tekken series. Oh, I knew that. That's all I know for. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, they did Ridge Racer, I think. So Ridge Racer was a was a popular oh, okay, Ridge game Racer. by them. That's yeah. what it was. Um, so I'm curious. Uh, so yes, I do know. But <laughs> okay. Yeah, see, I know you got it. Um, so what was one of the first open world games you played? Um, let's see. Actually, so quick question. Okay. So you consider Zelda open world, right? Yes. Do you consider Metroid? Um, Metroid is in that vein. Um, I believe so. Yeah. The correct answer is yes. <laughs> By my definition, wow. I mean, if you think about it, it's just no, no, a, it's no. just a different perspective, but True. it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. Most open worlds they tend to give you the third person top down kind of thing, and the only difference that the only difference for for Metroid is that it's a a side view scroller, but right. effectively it's still an open world that you can kind of. The only reason why I say it's in that vein is because Metroid does kind of railroad you into the ways that it needs you to do things. Because technically, you can't get past certain points of the game without getting. Well, like, same with Zelda. Will you Will you hold on? Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm very. So sorry. the whole game <laughs> locks you off from certain areas for doing right. things. Plus, there's like story sequences associated with the with the block offs and things like that. So that's what I was saying. Part of it seems kind of railroaded, but um, in terms of in the in the world. In the vein of open world games, it does give you the ability to kind of go and take your own little journey through the certain places. Um, but I think the only thing that that I only that I discredit it for being an open world game is that um, that those paths are very structured. 
Um, so, but so the journey itself is still technically open. Yes. Yeah. I mean, in the first Metroid, it was, it was probably a little bit more open world, and uh, Super Metroid was probably a little more railroaded. To yeah. A de- to a to a degree. Um, oh yeah. But so that so, is actually uh, that's something we'll talk about later, though. Yeah. Uh, so what what getting back to that? What's one of the first open world games you played, if you um, remember? Well, I mean, really, if we if we go back to what you just said, it was probably. Um, it was either Link's Awakening, the one on Game Boy, the Zelda on Game Boy, or... Are you playing Link's Awakening? Yes. Um, no, I don't think I finished it. It was... Uh, the original Game Boy, I never owned one, so it was always like if somebody brought it over, I would play oh, okay. it. Um, or I would play Pokemon. What was your first system? That I owned? Yeah. Game Boy Advance. Oh, Game I, Boy. Bought, okay. I bought a Game Boy Advance. Uh, or my brother and I bought a Game Boy Advance. In terms of the first system I ever played, it was, it was a Nintendo, because my dad bought a Nintendo. Got it. Um, but... Let's see. First one, it would have to be Link's Awakening or Super Metroid. I'm not really sure which came first. Hmm. Um, but at the time, you liked Super Metroid, right? Yes. Okay. But again, I always, I think I, we always talk about like yeah. my uh, dislike of backtracking. But Super Metroid back in the day, when you're a kid, you just want to get the most out of a game, so you're not thinking about backtracking. Now, as an adult, I got, I got stuff to do. I don't want to backtrack. Yeah, that's. I just want to, I just want to get through. I mean, personally, like even Kingdom Hearts, I played straight through it to so I could actually get majority of the stuff, and then I went back occasionally because I was like, ah, you know what? I'm only one away. Let me go find that last box, that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, nowadays, just like I need, I want to be able to go through a game and not have to, sorry, repeat content to, to get all the things or whatever. I would prefer that you should. I would prefer like that idea that you should be able to get all the things on your first way through. You shouldn't have to. You shouldn't have to replay the game under new circumstances. New circumstances to "quote unquote" fully experience the game. I'm not really a big fan of that. I feel like you should fully experience the game from beginning to end, and not from beginning to end, and then from beginning to end. You know what I mean? There's well, this is kind of like a whole new podcast, but there are ways to do it. Right, you right. Know, you can. You Maybe can go we should back. do an episode on that. Do we have? How we did? Do we have? We one? might just talk. Well, we did one on pet peeves, and we might have talked about this. Oh, we did first yeah. season. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it'll probably be one of those two. So some of the ones I actually, when I started researching everything, I had totally forgotten like how exciting some of the open world games I played when I was younger were. And but my favorite ones weren't actually. Well, I I love Zelda. I mean, but uh, everybody loves Zelda. Yeah. Come on. But uh, my actually my favorite ones were were all side scrolling ones. Um, have you ever heard of Fexonadu? Uh, sounds familiar. How do you spell it? Uh. Facts and A D A D U. So anyway, so this one was uh this one kind of feels like uh Castlevania Symphony of the Night, or at least what it what it evolved from. Um you could even buy you could buy new weapons, you could buy new armor. Do you consider this an open world game? Yeah. And okay. uh in in the appearance of the even like the appearance of the weapons and armor change when you played the game. Uh it had a had a experience system and whatnot. But it drops you in and it says okay go go explore and figure out where to go i feel like i mean it seems to be a running thing right now we're trying to figure out your age um this <laughs> this definitely ages you a little bit more man well who knows when i played it oh you probably played it when it first came out i mean i can i i, I can feel it in my bones <laughs> uh <laughs> Oh, Sorry, oh David's dying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was oh, that's another reason. He might be getting kind of old. 
That was my first coffee. I'm, I, I am sick today. Um, so another one was uh, Battle of Olympus, and this one was kind of, this one's really, actually, I, I love this one. Uh, it was a Zelda 2 clone, but without the overworld map, and you travel more like a, a Metroid game. It actually has a world map, but you only select the area that you want to go to. Mm-hmm. And um, like when I was a kid, I was so impressed with this game. There's an item where you could, if you jumped and you push jumped again, you would flip directions and you'd be able to walk on the ceiling. And I thought that was the coolest thing ever when I was a kid. Like in Gunstar Heroes, that one stage where we're on the carts and if you double jump and it attaches to the top of the stage. Yeah, but not nearly as cool. Yeah, no, it's pretty much the same thing. It's like the, way, the same mechanic. I think we're going to do a podcast one of these times about Gunstar Heroes. Just Gunstar li- Heroes? <laughs> literally, like, um, like, even above Sonic, Gunstar Heroes is my favorite Sega Genesis game of all time. So, Anyways. <laughs> so I actually love Battle of Olympus so Not much. Not an open world game, but yeah. No, not at all. Uh, I actually love Battle of Olympus so much that my first story I ever wrote was actually like an extension of that. You wrote a fanfic? Yeah, my okay, yeah, my first story was a fan fiction, I suppose. Hey. <laughs> look at you nerd. Not like uh what was that? What's the Twilight fan fiction thing that became a thing? Uh, I don't know. Um oh, 50 Shades of Grey. That's a fan fiction? Yeah, that's a dude. So, it started off, okay, so this this lady was writing like Twilight smut. Mhm. Is that the word right word smut? Okay, sure. You know what that means, right? Yes. Okay. Uh for our listening audience it means like uh, naughty not, bits yeah naughty bits <laughs> and uh, and actually the people that around Twilight were like hey stop writing this stuff and she's right. like I don't want to I'm just going to change it and make my own thing yeah yeah. and then she did yeah and then a lot of people liked it yeah hmm go figure people like smut <laughs> we're, 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 we're a simple people a simple species yeah we just dropped major knowledge to you people so what was that? I don't know. Is that your? Is it? Are you exper- accidentally experimenting with your soundboard? No. <laughs> uh, we might be taken over by aliens pretty soon. So anyway, what so, was that for real? <laughs> I don't know. Bro, I'm tripping. <laughs> so moving on. Anywho, uh, have you ever have you ever heard of Blaster Master? That sounds super familiar. Man. Is that the, is that a uh, is that one that used the super scope? No, no, yeah. dude, you you really missed out. Some of these like awesome classics. They have actually remade this one a few times. They made a they made a new one for the Sega Genesis and Blaster actually, Master Zero. Yeah, but uh, I think that one's for the Switch now. Um, really? Yeah, it's pretty, It's got a really good story too. It's it's about this little kid that he uh, he has a frog and he loses the frog. And he <laughs> <laughs> these story premises are very NES for sure. <laughs> and he chases us the frog, and for some reason he shrinks down. And when he shrinks down, he finds a tank, <laughs> a miniature tank. And when he gets in that tank, um, he goes on this adventure inside of his tank, fighting he has apparently like this, little monsters. He has this little exosuit thing too. Yeah, yeah. So, so it was really cool. So, uh, when you're oh, in this the, game, looks legit, man. Yeah, when you're in the tank, it would play more like a Metroid game. Right or maybe, yeah. yeah. And uh, and then when you got out of the tank, you would go in these corridors, and it it turned into like a top down view, kind of like a kinda Soul Blazer. Like, yeah, it looked kind of like a like a like a Bomberman kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah, a little bit like Bomberman. There you go. 
Um, oh, that's legit. And actually, it had creatures that looked exactly like Metroids in it. Which, oh, I'm very sure that somebody probably was like, "Hey, you trying to use the stuff?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we actually, need to cut back on the work. E- even in Battle Olympus, like the townsfolk looked just like the townsfolk from Zelda Two. More than likely because of Nintendo's closed ecosystem, they're probably yeah. something that everybody's working together and like, hey, you can use this as long as you need to recolor it or something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then another one, I'm surprised you've never heard of these. What about Rygar? Nope. Wow. It's so crazy. Uh, it's almost like I'm not a real nerd or something. <laughs> well, I told you before, uh, every weekend my parents let me rent a new Nintendo game every weekend. And so I played like every Nintendo game possible. Um, um, I think the reason why I've never played any of these is because I was so stuck on for Nintendo, um, I was stuck on, like I said, the track and field game, which I loved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so Super Mario Brothers. I used to see you as a little kid. You're like, you're like, you're at, you're at school. You're like running home, and you run in. And you're like, okay, run some more, run some more. Yeah. Um, and then Super Mario Brothers three, which I played way too much yeah, yeah. of. Um, and then of course the original Super Mario. Um. Oh, Shadowgate was another good game that I played a lot of. Mm, back I played that day. one. That was Super Nintendo game. It was on Nintendo. Though. That was on Nintendo. That's what yeah. I meant. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that the, all these games being on Nintendo, that's why I missed them because mm. I was playing those things. And then by the time we were done with that and we moved to Super Nintendo, I didn't go back. Oh, well, yeah. That makes sense. So, yeah. so And so I didn't do RPGs or anything back then so yeah. either. So. so talking about Rygar a little bit. <laughs> So you're this, like, it's almost like you're a Roman warrior guy, and you have a shield, Mm -hmm. but the shield has, like, blades around it, and it's attached to a chain. Mm -hmm. I see. Yeah, Yeah. you do, like, a yo-yo attack. And I kind of assume that this inspired God of War and the Blades of Chaos. That's legit. Hey, who knows? Who knows? Well, actually, they actually actually made a Rygar game for PS2. Mm -hmm. Rygar Adventures Unlimited or something like that. Sure. Or the adventure continues, sorry. Um, actually, just looking back at these games, though, it is crazy like how much all these old school games influence new games. Yeah. So, uh, and actually, with that, we're going to take a quick little break. Okie dokie. We're back from our break. David, bring us back in. <laughs> well, uh, actually, during the break, Will kind of debated whether or not he's like he watched some of those games and he's like, uh, "Are you sure those open world?" Yeah, I'm going to keep on talking like this <laughs> the rest of the podcast. Really? No, I'm not. Oh, that'll be way more impressive. I mean, I could if I wanted to, but I think it might be exhausting on my vocal cords. <laughs> All right, let's see how you how long you last. Um, so I'm yeah. already done. <laughs> so we're gonna get into uh, moving past. Uh, the past. Uh, what? We're gonna kind of start talking about open world games, and we're gonna start off with some of the advantages that uh, developers have when they're making an open world game. Okay. And uh, one of them being that obviously the the gamer gets to experience whatever they want to. You know, what they have to have whatever experience they want to have. Right. Um. And uh, theoretically. You know, this kind of raises the replay value of the mm. game. Mm-hmm. And uh, another one was that it's easier to implement different ways to travel. Yes. <laughs> um, no, fast travel. I mean, open world's kind of made fast travel a thing. 
well, they make fast travel a thing, but the, but another part of it is that you know, like when you're in a, I mean, you can have vehicles in in a, um, you know. Oh yeah. So when you give them the open world, there's like more place to play. Yeah. And so yeah. and so you can more room like, for activities. Yeah, because I mean, <laughs> I mean, if you have like in a in a game that has levels, you know, and all of a sudden you give them a a car, you know, like mm-hmm. oh cool, you can drive forward. Right, right. Makes sense. Yeah. Or like you only, you know, you're only going to be able to drive around in that small arena that you were given. Yeah. Right. Makes sense. I mean, I, I mean, I suppose you can still do that. You know, I, I think of the Lego, the Lego games and sometimes, you know, in that level you have a car and you get to do a little bit of stuff, but it's kind of gimmicky. Yeah. But when you're in an open world, you know, you give them a vehicle and it's just another way of trans, you know, exploring. True, true. So, uh, do you, can you think of any other advantages that developers have? Um, I think, uh, not, I don't know if it's necessarily, uh, an advantage, but more like something that, uh, gives, it gives the developers more places to play too. Um, I know that a lot of open world games are usually playgrounds for, uh, systems and experimentation. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like interactive systems. So they, um, We'll probably talk about Breath of the Wild quite a few times just because right now that's kind of, it's a very, even now, still a culturally relevant um, open world game as it stands. Um, And that game, it definitely, I think the reason why it did so well and got so many awards right off the bat is not because, you know, it's just a Zelda game. It came out on Switch, so it makes it, you know, it's a good debut kind of game for the Switch, but it was... uh, Do cut you off? Sorry, to cut you off, but... um... Do you actually just want to do, like, after this, do you just want to do a review for Breath of the Wild? No, not yet. Okay, not yet. got it. Okay. Um, I'm going to cut that part out. Okay. Okay. Uh, but it's it's one of those games that actually gave you, it gave you your character, it gave you the basic mechanics right off the bat. I've actually heard many stories of people who left and didn't realize there was a chest to get certain things, and they were like, why am I, why is my character cold, or why is this and that? I didn't have any items to do these things. They didn't wear the, they didn't wear, uh, you know what I mean? Like, why do you get, have to point out my flaws? Oh, was that you? Yes. I was pretty sure it was Ashley. <laughs> no, Hi, no, Ashley. It's you funny, because I feel like we've had this conversation a few times. <laughs> yeah, but, like, it's one of those things, it's one of those games that they, they put you out there, but the systems are all, like, they give you enough systems in that world to make it seem like the world lives on its own. Mm, yeah. And I think that's one of the things that it like for developers, they're like, okay, so now we have somebody out here programming a weather system. They are literally trying to create a weather system that reacts like the earth's weather system acts. And it also interacts with itself. Those kind of systems that learn as they go and kind of, uh, they they feel real. They feel lived in. Um, whether it be like people walking around, monsters minding their own business until you interact with them, those kinds of things. That but the rain was super annoying when I was trying to climb, though. You know what? Um, so I was watching a video a while back. I think it was one of those uh, uh, like the game theory videos mm-hmm. um, where they were actually looking at whether or not the systems were even viable in in. And in, uh, in Zelda, in terms of like, oh, would this weather be around an area with a volcano, or you, is there, there's no way you could have ice mountain caps this close to blah 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 blah. So they went and did the research, you know, of course, because the internet is has a plethora of that information, and mm-hmm. so they put two and two together and come to find out that all of the weather systems in Breath of the Wild are about as close to real as you can get, minus the chaos theory associated with weather, yeah. you know, because most things in weather can change on a, on a dime it's just kind of how, the, how I, it works i mean that's very cool 
that they did that, but then I know the rain magic. is still really annoying. Well, I no, know. there's magic. I don't right, know. right. Anyway. But but if you think about it, it lends to why people can sit in that world for so long because it feels organic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For lack of better terms, but yeah. So they have those systems. They have the breaking of the weapon system. They have the uh, like the different types of attacks that you can do with each type of weapon. They have how fire interacts with any object that they deem to be flammable. I mean, whether it be crates, the grass. Oh, once you burn the grass, it creates updraft. That's actually a real physics thing because heat rises. So you can actually create a fire and then you can put your little little uh, uh, kite thing up and then you could just take off on, a, on an updraft. Mm. Anyways... We'll probably talk about that a little bit later, but uh, well, you actually yeah. you're actually bringing me into one of my next questions was uh, what have you seen that they have done right in open world games? And I mean, realistically, if you look at Zelda, they have basically done everything right. You know, they've they've they're always giving the the gamer a new experience, something yes. interesting. Uh, this world is just filled with stuff, and um, it's one of those games that are. They're, it's darn near close to what what even what other developers would say is a darn near perfect game. Yeah. I know there's a lot of gamers that have problems with, you know, the breaking, like the weapon breaking and things. Oh, I got a good thing and then it broke. But a lot of people who I, truly just enjoy so guys, those systems. Just so you guys know, when he's saying he's heard gamers, I think he's referring to me. Oh, I have other gamer friends okay. that play Zelda. <laughs> yeah. um, well, actually, one of my... Uh, my my best friend's husband he plays zelda he likes he loves zelda like mm. he's obsessed with zelda right and that was his biggest complaint about the game otherwise i heard nothing bad about that game he was just like i got this sword and it was really good and then it broke and i had to go <laughs> find another one of course until you get the, the right. hero sword which i won't tell you how to get that you'll yeah, yeah. have fun have fun yeah. figuring that one out um and being disappointed when you get there and just go i have to do the things <laughs> uh, so moving beyond Zelda, though, because I mean that's obviously the pinnacle. But uh, what what other things have you seen? Um, oh, what other open world games have you seen that they've really done something right? Um, uh, we can we can stay recent. Um, and I would say, uh, Grand Theft Auto for their for their AI, they they were able to make a city that seemed packed to the brim. Mm, yeah, but it didn't seem robotic. People were walking around, and it actually seemed like they had things to do, and it seemed like they had places to go. Um, the next one would be probably clo- uh, maybe maybe Spider-Man, but I think Spider-Man more or less because of how the open world was constructed, less about the AI. Um, they were able to create a city that felt like a city, and also you never felt like you had to transition to another area or anything like that. So there, it, it lends to their ability to be able to load in the stage. And then to piggy off, piggyback off of that, then we have Horizon Zero Dawn, which just created a world that we've never seen, mm-hmm. um, fleshed it out, made it lived in with all of the, with the creatures and everything that you, you battle there. Also, they isn't did, it weird that that like that and Zelda came out like within a week of each other? Yeah. Again, I was actually talking to my best friend last night, and he we were talking about how a lot of these things kind of just happen. It, it was the perfect time for somebody to release a game like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And then you think, oh, well, no, they probably talked about it. There's probably back room, blah, blah, blah. Or there was something that happened that 
that told all developers that you need to make an open world game and it needs to be released in this blah blah blah. Nope, I don't think I so. I think it was just a coincidence. I, it's not. I I think it's just a coincidence, and I think it's just that these things came out at the right time when I don't know when their audiences were ready to receive something of, of that breath. I mean, if you think about it, the developers of Horizon Zero Dawn had never done an open world game before. They were doing first person shooters. They were doing. What was the name? Of, what was the? I don't remember the name of the studio. They did resist, no, not the studio. They did the uh, Resistance. Games. Oh, Resistance. Okay. They were they were pilot games for the PS3 to mm-hmm. show off the graphics, and then when PS4 yeah. came out, Resistance Three I think came out at the same time, and I think um, yeah, that was one of the, like when they announced the PS3. Yeah. No, PS4 or was, PS4. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually one of the games that they used to for their. Oh, that was the platform for PS4. Yeah, the technical yeah. demo. It's a beautiful. Oh yeah, game. It looked great. Um, and for them, it was just like, um, I remember, uh, it was, a, I don't know if it was reading an interview or watching a video. They were talking about how it was just a pitch. Somebody said, what about robot dinosaurs? And then they literally like just ran with the thing. And I mean, you really think about <laughs> it, like how could you go wrong? Right. And then, uh, and then for Zelda, it was, we've been getting closer and closer to a true open world game for every progressive Zelda game. Yeah. It's pretty much, it's like what they've been building up to. And then they released it or like, then they finally said, Oh, you know what? We have the platform. Let's do the thing. Mm-hmm. We, we've been making these people wait for long enough. They've, they've had enough of their, their minish caps and their another worlds. And well, realistically it was, it was them. They wanted to go back to their roots. True. Cause they, they, I mean, that's what they thought of as, the first Zelda game. Well, the first, yeah, the first Zelda game was re- was just straight open world. Yeah. You have a sword, fulfill your destiny. There is a big bad guy, but how you get there is up to you, man. Mm. Um, and I mean, technically, um, if you look into Breath of the Wild, which I, I kind of want to stray away from that a little bit because we talk about it a lot, um, and maybe we will do a review on it. But if you look at it, you or can, you not can kind a review, of review a discussion, a discussion about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, they they allow you to kind of get to the end of the game from the beginning if you really want to. Um, it's really difficult, but that is something. It is difficult. That is something I'll talk about a little bit later on. Okay. Um, so, did you have, do you have any other like things you want to talk about that you've really seen them do right though? I mean, we talked about The Witcher a lot last season, um, but they did that right too. Yeah. I'd and that was just because they they made your decisions kind. Of, they felt they felt organic, but they also felt. Uh, they felt poignant. You you knew when you made a decision that there's a possibility something would change. I finally and it, played. There's a weight to those decisions. Yeah. I finally played Witcher three. When? Uh, I don't know, like a couple months ago. Are you serious? Yeah. Sweet. So so that I didn't get very far because I got bored. I'll have to show you some <laughs> some of the later the later story stuff. Okay. Um. So I guess we can just move on to you know if we want to come up with advantages or. Uh, other we can come up with later mm-hmm. um i, I wanted to get into uh some of the disadvantages and um so the stereotype for it is that it is harder to tell a more intricate story um you you, you have to find ways to reel the player in for these moments right um it's you know it's it's harder to keep uh from being repetitive mm-hmm. uh it could also cause uneven gameplay experiences as um you know, because you have to regulate your skills and levels, and and uh, I mean, sometimes you can. But the best open world games figure out the balance for yeah. that. The whole regulated skill things usually open world games. The I have to cough too. <clears throat> um. So the the good open world games, 
if you really look at the difference between that and the whole regulated skills things, most good ones mm-hmm. don't care. They actually give you open-ended skill systems. Right. Kind of, um, because where, where it just gives you different way to do it instead of right. like more powerful way to right. do it. Right. And they make sure that that... Or that, more efficient. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, let's just... Example for <clears throat> for Horizon Zero Dawn is actually like the skills actually just give you more ways to yep. be stealthy or more ways to to uh to to weaken enemies or yeah. just like I mean, I mean uh, granted you know you can you know you can fire three arrows at once and that's more powerful but then you're also using more resources at once right so but there's and, a and also yeah there's trade offs so technically again you're just gaining another way right because some people would prefer to still go single arrow because three arrows is good if you're it, once you're like if you're like you know, if you're sneaking up and you're already stealth and you mm. get the shots in, but loading three arrows yeah. on the, on the yeah. fly is is not impossible, but, but it's, it's more hard difficult. to do. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, it's just more it's, ways to do a thing. Yeah, so I mean, realistically, you're right. It, it's just it's more advantageous mm-hmm. to do it when you on your first shot, but then after that, like it, it's no difference between just doing one shot at a time. So now we're talking about disadvantages, right? And you were talking about this open, uh, like we're talking about skill systems and, and things that they could get wrong right. and that a lot of people find hard to balance when they're making open world games. Um, Skyrim is one of those games. And I, I felt like eventually we'd have to talk about Skyrim. Um, it's one of what a lot of people consider this era to be one of the greatest mm-hmm. aside, you know, aside from being um, from Breath of the Wild. I mean, it's one of those games that has been remade for pretty much every console well, now. I mean, Skyrim inspired Breath of the Wild. Um, true. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I find about Skyrim is that it occupies, it's like half and half out. Like it did a lot of things really well. Mm-hmm. And then it did a lot of things really horribly. Um, one of the things, this, one of the major disadvantages of open world is that most of the time, and one of the reasons why a lot of people like, oh, it's one of the greatest, they tend to make huge worlds. Um, yeah. which isn't necessarily the best thing because then it makes it to where you have to occupy larger areas of space. And I think one of the things that Skyrim didn't do right was they made it to where the place was so big that I, I think um, there's this sweet spot where if you feel like you have to fast travel to go to all the places, then you lose the whole open world thing. And I think that Skyrim might have been too big for its own for its own good. Like, I mean, mind you, they fit a lot of things into this huge world, but a lot of it was centered around the towns or centered around uh, like special locales or special uh, special little areas and locations or like a special event that was triggered by a certain a certain quest or whatever. Um, but otherwise, if you're just walking the paths, it would take you a long time to get across. Uh, Tamriel? No, that's not Tamriel, is it? <laughs> I don't remember. Um, uh, Skyrim. Maybe I don't know. Anyways, uh, so it just take you a long time to get across the region. Um, but you know, of course, you could get a horse. Yes, <coughs> but I think one of the things, um, that that they also did wrong was that their quest system was so. It was to a point where the writing was really good for a lot of their quests in terms of there was good ideas, there was good premises, there was good, there was even good education. Ed- execution on how the how the quests came about and how sometimes you just ran into somebody on the road and yeah. suddenly you have a quest right and those are good but then it turned into where like they were like okay so we've got it we built up 
and then they let you down because the quest just ends up being a fetch quest or it just ends up being, you know, go to this dungeon, defeat a person, come back to me, that kind of thing, right? Mind you, some of them subverted that and they had it to where you defeated a person and then they were like, oh, shoot. Oh, oh, there was another way. You know, if I hadn't defeated the person, I could have actually just taken their crystal or whatever and then and then done something else. But like, again, some of them were good. This is why I say it's half in, half out for me. Like it was, some of them was like really thought out and then you could tell it was just like, we need to make it to where like we or you know we made a hundred quests right and these are all well thought out we did the thing on these right these ones are the ones that took us years to write and then there was like man but we have to meet our quota of 200 quests so then there's everything else you <laughs> yeah, know I hate that. um so like or because they or sorry they want to have 201 quests so they can say over 200 quests mm-hmm. to do or whatever and that was one of the things that the that, that drew the game back is that yeah. it did give you, it just gave you like this plethora of things to do, but they weren't really anything unique. Um, well, that's that's something I put as you know when when uh, they're doing an open world game wrong, I actually put billions of fetch quests. Here's the thing, fetch quests. There's nothing wrong with the fetch quest in general, like that structure that, for a quest. Again? There's nothing wrong with the fetch quest. Okay. What did I say? I don't know. No, I yeah. think you're close enough. Um, in general, like there's no, there's nothing, there's nothing inherently wrong about a fetch quest, but in terms of, uh, well, I will go back to the Witcher. The Witcher did this thing with fetch quests that even if you did a fetch quest, there was still story along the way. It wasn't do a thing and then you get the rest of the story when you come back. And I think that's typically, it's like a lazy, not lazy. Is there I a, hate saying that cause I'm a developer too. And it, it, it's not lazy to create a fetch quest, but to forget that it's still gameplay and i think that's what happens a lot um or to forget there's time in between uh getting the quest doing it and coming back that's what the witcher didn't forget so for witcher okay so for skyrim was it there so i never played skyrim Mm -hmm. but for skyrim are you serious well i i played it i played for like an hour hour or two and i was just bored of it okay it was boring to me you um, on me about not paying Rhaegar. <laughs> <laughs> um, so in that game, was it like, did, was it just a whole bunch of like random quests? And then in Witcher, was it like a, a smaller amount of quests, but it had more depth to them? No, the Witcher had a lot of quests too. Okay, same thing. But here's the, the thing about But they the Witcher, varied it better. Not, I mean, well, okay, so you have your Witcher contracts, right? So you just go, yeah. you go out and hunt a oh, beast, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Here's the thing. Every time you thought it was going to be basic, it never was. The game consistently changed up the formula. Like, like I said, the okay, there are five steps to a fetch quest. You have the the uh, you get the fetch quest, right? You have mm-hmm. the journey to the location where where the fetch is to be to be done. Fetched. Fetched. Then you have the actual fetching part of the quest. Right. Then you have the journey back from the fetch quest, and then you all and then you have you close it up with getting the reward for the fetch quest. So in Skyrim, they did a lot of fetch quests that were just get, fetch, reward. Mm -hmm. The Witcher, in every one of its quests, was a get, journey to, fetch, journey back, and then fetch reward. So everything felt like it was fully fleshed out. Everything felt like it was actually thought about whenever they were done. Right. Um, And... Now that structure wasn't just fetch quests; it was for your your hunts. There are some hunts that were actually relatively simple, but it might have been simple because I was just good at the game by then, you know. 
um, where you're like, uh, for, for a lot of their hunts, it was, you get the hunt, you, uh, you find the locale for the hunt. And then you like, usually it's like tracks and stuff like that. Right. And then there's always like the, not always, there's, there's typically a, like a, like a twist to it. Cause sometimes it was, oh, I see tracks. It seems like a person tracks. So you start going somewhere, you track down the person tracks and you're like, there's nothing here. And then suddenly you hear something, something breaks and you're like, okay. And so you're going around. Then you find out that somebody, there's a bot did that body, but that's where the tracks end. So you're like, okay. So the person's already dead. I don't have to do anything. Then suddenly a spirit comes out of the wall and the spirit starts talking to you and say, oh, wow, this happened. Da, da, da. And then suddenly it turns from being like this monster hunt or whatever that you're going on turns out to be a, a, a story oh, about. Oh, well, that's kind of cool. It like surprises you. On many occasions. The, like I said, yes, there are definitely hmm. not 200 plus quests in The Witcher that I know right. of. But there, it definitely gets you with like it makes things poignant. Mind you, one of the w- things that The Witcher suffers from is that thing where they just put a whole bunch of little things on your map and stuff like that, so you just go do things. Right. Um, and I think a, there's some gamers that don't appreciate. It. There's people like me who have OCD for those kinds of things. They just want to complete maps and stuff like mm. that. So I went and did them, and sometimes those get a little boring and repetitive. But the ones, the quests that they, the quests that they uh, they developed or the quests that they actually put into the game. Because those little marks, those aren't really quests. Most right. of the time, you get those marks by reading the bounty board or something like that. And the, and somebody goes, there's 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 a wyvern nest up in the thing. Or there's, you know. And so you just go up there. You're like, oh, shoot. There's actually a wyvern here. Sometimes the wyvern if they, won't. If they sound like that, they should probably get new voice actors. Yeah, probably. <laughs> um, sometimes you go up there. There's actually a wyvern there. you got to fight the wyvern. Then you got to kill his nest. Sometimes you could actually get up there. And maybe the wyvern, because, this, because the witcher made a really good open world, you know, the wyvern's off flying somewhere else. Sometimes you can even see them in the distance. You can yeah. blow up their nest, complete the quest by doing that, and the, or complete the, the bounty, quote-unquote, by doing that. Mind you, these bounties aren't really... It's weird. They did this thing where, like, there's bounties where you go back to the person to get the, the money or whatever, and there's bounties where it's just like, please help. And then you did a thing, and then you're rewarded by just your materials that you can pull from it, like monster materials mm. and stuff like that, but you don't ever go back to anybody. So oh, that's yeah. kind of interesting. Yeah, so it's kind of like huh. it's, it's this nice little thing where there's so much variance between other things. That's one. So that's a thing that can be turned around from being a disadvantage of of open world game with mini quests. That's true. Well, you well, vary them. You well, think it makes about sense them too. Like in that time, like there, I'm sure there's like peasants that have no money to reward you with, but like stuff sucks for them. So I mean, if anything, it's always hope. yeah, it's always the thing on the board is usually like. Uh, the trading route has been locked down, blah, blah, blah. Or sometimes you'll happen upon an area and the area will be overrun by bandits. You kill all the bandits there, you do your thing, um, and it's not told ahead of time what's going to happen. Mm. But then you suddenly, by killing all these bandits in this area, um, it, or even these monsters in this area that have overrun the area, after you kill them, a town develops there and like it's you know it's like this really short cut scene of just watching people walk back into town and reestablish themselves so now you have new shops you might have a new um a new little waypoint uh board that you can fast travel to but that's the way it's done right you I, can take an advantage and make an advantage so i so i am kind of curious so typically you try not to let yourself get excited for new stuff that's coming out yes but i mean you you really i obviously really appreciate witcher 3 um yes. so cyberpunk 2077 is that am, one you're actually excited for or i'm actually one of those people that um aside from square enix which even now is, i'm starting it's starting to wane now 
I'm not really a person who looks at a developer and go, oh, if they did one thing right, they'll do the next thing right. I actually am of the camp that if they did one thing right, maybe you look at the things that they do and see if they can do it again. I don't I thought you were about to say if they get one thing right, they better do it right again. No, like I actually I'm I look at it like this. So they did Witcher Three right, right? The problem with that is there's now there's pressure to do Witcher Three again. Mm. And to me Oh, I don't think they're doing that. It seems like they're going a different route completely. Right. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. The developer, the, <clears throat> from the from the public perspective, they want another Witcher three. They want, right. and they're like, "Oh, it's just going to be Witcher three in the future, right?" And there are some people that was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, Witcher three references Cyberpunk. Oh, we're going to get Siri cameo, blah blah blah, all this other kind of kind of crap, right?" So my thing is that I look at it as, okay, they've done a good thing. I look forward to seeing what they can do, because I don't have any expectations for them to do. On the pet thing they did in the past because that that's a specific time a specific place a specific uh what do you call it a group of people that developers that made that game right which may not be all the same developers it's not gonna be the same writer it's not gonna be you know what i mean like these are different people so i i reserve a lot of my judgment i reserve a lot of my like excitement for for new products for the I don't know for the experience of it. So for me, I'm excited to experience all types of games from all types of developers, but I have no preconceived notion or expectation of what they can do or won't do or will do because when you do that, you go into a product and you you're always going to be disappointed. I don't think there's going to be ever a time where somebody will predict or be excited about a product that's going to happen and then it's actually going to be what they expected. Mainly because developers aren't thinking what you're thinking most of the time mostly developers don't want to make the same thing again that's the whole fun of making video games you know or that's the whole fun of making a tv show that's the whole fun of making a movie is that you can do new things art is an expression of yourself you're not going to be the same person your whole life you're expressing a new part of yourself you know that kind of thing so yeah i'm excited for the prospect but i'm not really excited specifically for um for the product itself i was just trying to find one that you might be like more than others no, but I'll give you a broad overview of everything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we kind of went back into, you know, with Witcher, we just kind of went back into things done right. Um, well, I try, I try to, sorry, I tried to make it where it was like, I'm trying to explain what a lot of people do wrong and here's the way you can do them right. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I, t- I totally get that. But the disadvantage is just that idea of providing a wealth of content and here's how you would actually yeah. provide it in the right way. And even... Think about it like this. If you have 200 quests in the Skyrim, but half of them aren't any good, then is it really a wealth of good content? Oh, yeah. It, it should, I, and I personally think it should always quests be in quality Witcher, over quantity. Yeah, if you have 50 quests in Witcher, but they're but all they're awesome, good, yeah. then that's an, that to me is that's a wealth of content. That's what you should do. Yeah. 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 Um, I mean, you know, some of the other things I jotted down was, uh, you know, sometimes they don't vary the landscape enough. Um, and I, That can be hard to do. Um, considering that most games, most open world games take place in a region. So yeah. I know, I know weather systems and stuff can change in a region, but most of the time, like Skyrim, it's just, you are literally in a mountainous region. Yeah. And the only way that you can change the weather is by taking a boat off somewhere else. Then, you know, then that's another open world. Um, but then you can, but you can explore caves and towns and everything. I mean, that's, true. that's still switching it up. 
but a lot of the caves look the same in Skyrim. Yeah. That was another thing. There was one complaint that a lot of the the, the caves seemed kind of like a corridor. And then it's funny. There was like, there's actually a meme, or not even a meme. It was just like a somebody did a comparison, and they're like, people complain that the the Skyrim caves are so much like corridors, and like they just guide you right to where mm, you need to go. Right. But then they also complain that the Witcher corridors have no kind of, or, or not corridors. The Witcher caves have no kind of like signifying areas. Like they don't. There's no arrows pointing anywhere. There's no guidance when you go into a into a cave. It just looks like a freaking cave. This and, soup is too cold. Yeah. They, everybody everybody wants the Goldilocks, but they but they don't quite know exactly what they want. And for some reason, they expect a developer to be able to do that. Hence the reason why having expectations ahead of time for something that you didn't have a part in. Like, I could see if a developer had expectations for a game that they were working on. That's different. Like, but for a consumer to have expectations for what a developer is doing and not have any idea how the process works, that's a de- that right there is just uh yeah yeah you're 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 betting yeah you're you're gambling on on somebody else being able to read your mind over a distance <laughs> that kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah um <laughs> so so two so I'll go through the two other ones I jotted down we talked about it a little bit you know like it's easier to break the game difficulty as uh, something that we've seen done wrong um now we typically don't talk about Final Fantasy games in in between but okay um the the first one that comes to mind is Final Fantasy 15 cuz it's open world and mm-hmm. you know you can you can just ridiculously level yourself up like as soon as you get to the open world part and you go back to the story and you're so such a high level that you know it just it seems silly the battles that you have during during that time yeah um I mean, just as, as an example, I wish I could think of another good one. Um, and then another one is uh, sometimes they just they don't make the gameplay good enough to justify an open world game. You know, so, sometimes you know it, it might have been fun for the first like ten hours, but then or not not even that. But then there's just like the gameplay isn't fun enough, and um, they would have actually just benefited from making a smaller linear game instead. So you remember our conversation in uh, I want to say it's the Final Fantasy one episode mm. uh, where I talked about how gameplay oh, no I think it was in two um, where I talked about how like battle mechanics should have an ebb and flow yes it should be more of like a wave kind of thing right now the problem with the game that you're talking about typically it, or one of the biggest problems with fifteen is that it had a very staccato kind of um, Explain staccato. Um, so it hit hard mm. and then it dropped. Yep. It hit hard and then it dropped. So one of the things about fifteen is that it just had. That, that's, being, a, that's a music reference, right? Yes. I can't believe I actually knew a music reference. Um, so they had um, they had a battle system that was fun, or they had a they had an open world that was like punctuated by its battle. Mm. And then after that, there was nothing to do in between. Yeah. So it didn't feel, it didn't feel like you you, lo- you lost all of That's the, the momentum. True. Well, you could go camp and no. and tell you, stories and except you couldn't. Um, all right, we should we should uh, we should actually yeah we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk about five fifteen. So one in of the, like in like a year. Okay. So <laughs> so so here's the thing. 
But then if you switch over to, uh, we've talked about The Witcher a lot. We talked about this a lot. Let's well, let's, do, let's, let's go ahead and let's go ahead and take a break real quick. No, real quick. Okay. Let me explain the. Well, thing. then we'll take a break. So the ebb and flow with Breath of the Wild. One of the things that people don't like is that weapon breaking system, but it does lend to the downturn in gameplay to where you're searching for another weapon then you get another weapon you're right. you're really excited about that okay. weapon you play with that weapon for a little bit it breaks you find another weapon you know it breaks you go down into that oh i want to find another weapon you find another weapon and you're right back to it again but it lends to a like a constant excitement it always lends to you finding new things using new things i mean if it's staccato, it could things. be excitement and then falling asleep and then you wake up and you're excitement again sure I mean, some people play Breath of the Wild in in short bursts, well, that's, sessions, that's, that's things too, like that. Also, yeah, yeah. So, it, some people want that kind of excitement, but again, that wave that comes with its its like its nice circular uh, gameplay, it works. That's that's how it should work, and it doesn't. You know, it it can have its exciting moments or whatever in terms of like the boss fights and or even fighting like the guardians and things like that. Like where there's like, oh my gosh, these set pieces. It feels huge. It feels like. It almost feels like this this encounter was just heavily developed. Right. But most of them are just there for you to encounter whenever you want to. And yeah. Yeah. That 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 idea like you were saying that like where you do something you overlevel and then suddenly the game doesn't feel fun anymore. That's for some people. I'll, some, I'll tell you what like for some people. Hey, sometimes like in MMOs, I like going back to the starting areas and and and, and wreaking havoc. You know what I'm saying? I like I like one shotting a lot of people. You know what I'm saying? It's it's fun. I it get is it. Fun. I actually, get it. Uh, in some RPGs, I actually do like that when they <laughs> they'll take you back to the very beginning on purpose. Yeah. And then you get into some battles there, and you're like, "Oh, dang! I'm look at these little weaklings." Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, well, we can't take a break now. Yeah. Right. Okay. And we're back, man. And we had something my headphones aren't working. Your headphones aren't working. You're not working. Ah, there we go. Now I can hear again. Yeah, you're not working. <laughs> um, so now we're going to talk a little bit about um, kind of as as far as the new age open world games. We're going to talk about, in in my opinion, there's there's kind of two different types of open world games, and I think there's kind of the contained open world and uncontained. And um, I, I kind of think of uh, Xenoblade and Xenoblade Chronicles X as a good um, difference between the two. In Xenoblade, um, you're, you're traversing the land and you're in sections at first. Okay. And, but when you're in that section, it's a big, huge open section and it's completely sandboxed there. But you have to progress through this area to get to the next one. Whereas in Xenoblade Chronicles X, you can, for the most part, go wherever you want to go. Right from the outset. Right. And so that's kind of a... That's so, kind of my... So Xenoblade is like a whole bunch of connected open world. Mm-hmm. And then Chronicles X is just one huge bit. Right. Okay. And, uh, th- you know, there's a lot... A few games that I can think of that are more like the the Xenoblade style, the the contained open world. Um, okay, like a, a lot I'm of sorry. the. Let's define what is a contained open world. Contained basically is it's it's more of a 
Well, in this instance, I mean, as you said, this one is just a series of open world, or it can be where you have an open world sandbox, and but then there's linear paths that divert through that. Ooh, okay. So, um, I think a good example of this would be kind of how MMOs work, and there's regions that you can go to, and but they, like, if you think about it, you have to load into the new region. Mm. It's usually not a, like a. a, a connected or whatever so but can you go there yeah okay well because if you think about it like they separate these regions off by levels so Mm. they kind of contain these areas and like most of the quests are in that area and maybe they might have one that connects to the next area but it's part of the transition to the next area so you can kind of think of that that is like almost like a contain um so would you think of contained as being somewhat railroaded then yeah i mean i thought a pretty good example too was uh was the god of war game where that that one where it kind of gives you that main hub in the middle, mm-hmm. but then it seems like um, you know you, you definitely have these linear paths, more like the original God of War, right? And and it's, it plays more like a level, and that's kind of the the where the story beat is. Okay, so we're co- so okay, so the things we've defined, we need you need uh, you need contained areas, mm-hmm. but you also need uh, a little bit of railroading, but also kind of a level structure. Yeah. Okay. Okay, and and more so, more so it kind of cuts you off in order to rail like you were saying railroad you. It's it's mostly for for the narrative purposes, really. Mm-hmm. They really railroad you in for that. But then, like God of War, it has those big set pieces, right? And you can't. It's it's probably harder to do that, and if the whole thing's just open world, right? So it gives you it gives them the chance to you know show the off fa- essentially. Well, the fact that they give you like you take the boat into the new areas. Like, you can tell, well, I mean, as a developer and doing research on these kinds of things, like, I know that those are loading tricks. That's, Mm. like, how they load into the new area. And then you get to a new piece of the open world. But also, it's so they can unload big things. Like, in the the first area, that snake is always there. Uh, You're just, or not you're just, wow. Um, Yormagond is always there. He's just chilling in the background. He's moving. You can actually get closer to him. His body is, like, there. Um, but then once you get to the new areas, you can't see them. Yep. They, they, they needed to deload them and things like that. So sometimes it's actually for... Yeah, it's just it's for, for that. For 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 graphical and, and programming purposes, they, they need to railroad you into certain areas. Plus, if you think about it, the original Xenoblade was on the Wii. didn't have that much power, so having more contained areas would probably... It lends to, to better loading times and uh, um, them able to maximize as much graphics as they can put into the smaller areas. So it makes sense. Well, I mean, but just not just that though. Like, well, I mean, so Xenoblade is is much more story centric, but then Xenoblade Chronicles X is more. I mean, it has a main story, but it's more revolves around oh, the, all these side quests. I was gonna say that story is just like bookends. It's yeah, it's just, it's just bookends. Ends. Yeah, and and actually, uh, because of Xenoblade and Xenoblade Chronicles X, I kind of was thinking about Contain being like, um, like a God of War or. Like a Game of Thrones like narrative where it's it's uh it's just one continuous narrative and then mm-hmm. the uncontained narrative is more closer to like the Arrow Arrowverse type thing where you know like you said bookends that's yeah. all the story is yeah makes sense I kind of threw it out the window at the end because I was like eh, it's not is, that is it over right? already huh what Arrow uh no, or is that one, next there's season? one more season okay so um that threw me off sorry <laughs> it's okay um. And it's kind of, you know, like, 
like contain can still be kind of broad and, and maybe like right. an uncontained one has contained aspects um kind of like you know like metal metal gear solid 5 um it did have its it had its shell area uh was it big a oh, mother base mother base yeah uh which was kind of weird because it had that hub but it was kind of the opposite of maybe like a it's weird mother base is still considered an open world like they you can actually like you could hop in a box if yeah. you, and then put yourself in a spot and then that box will take you somewhere else on like on the platforms there and then you can actually do missions on on mother base there's it's like a it's like a whole thing there and yeah so i think the contained part is like this is a level structure mm. um thing so you have yeah so it's a little bit like uh like xenoblade really mm-hmm. also i think for metal gear solid the reason why the areas were big but not huge is because that engine was made to load the big areas huge areas wouldn't work also let's talk about like great programming and and, and resource management mm. that engine is one of the one of the most beautiful, well-running, like open-world engines that I've ever seen. Most open-world engines tend to have this problem where they fail once the world, like once you load a certain piece of the world. Like if you get into a thing where you can see too far, yeah. or, uh, or something like that. And and you know, of course, like one of the things that back in the day for open worlds, they would just put a fog. Um, so you can't see far enough but nowadays people are like oh no i know what you're doing so they've been having to take that away more and more and like so they have to show off how they can do things um uh, was it horizon zero dawn they didn't do fog they actually did this thing where they actually only load the cone that you can see in front of you right so they made things into modules so they could load modules as they go and then of course line they also of sight. had a lot of mountains too yeah line of sight that's what Ooh, i was literally sight, just yep. about to go there yeah so they used line of sight to make sure that if you're looking a certain way and you're like okay well you can't see beyond this we're not loading it there's no yeah. reason to um but a lot of tricks that are associated yeah, with that so great um so yeah metal gear solid is definitely one of those examples of of the developers saying okay so if we contain this a little bit we can make it look that much better we can make it interact that much better we can um we can further evolve those systems that i was talking about earlier that make for a good ebb and flow of gameplay um whereas if they were just developing a huge world maybe maybe they would have to cut some of those physics maybe they'd have to cut some of uh some of the visual aesthetics and things like that because they wouldn't be able to operate on on a bigger scale but still an open world game um which it's weird like when you talk about contained open worlds you you almost like skirt that line of uh discrediting certain things for being open world because of their containedness because of the the railroad aspect right. some people might say that that disqualifies you if you railroaded it in any way but in these cases the railroading is like no we're literally just the railroading part of the game is to lead you to so you need to take one path to get to the other open world area of our game that's about all yeah i i mean on a personal level, I think that the K- contained level of uh, open world is is easily the best type. You know, just just for tell. But I mean, it also helps that those are my t- favorite favorite type of games. You know, the ones that tell a narrative and still give me that open world option. Right. Um. But you know, one of the things that I don't like for or like pretty much the one thing I didn't like about Horizon Zero Dawn is the way that it, they they told the story. You know, it's just kind of like okay, you're going to go to the story aspect go to the dot on the map mm-hmm. and then it's just this really weird transition screen because they didn't railroad you at all and so you you get there and then the kind of loads the cutscene and the cutscene kind of comes from a weird angle 
you know, and uh, and I I honestly thought it was a little well, jarring. Well, I mean, I think I think we had actually discussed it when I was playing that game. Yeah. Um, is that one of the problems, and it's something I've run into development too. Um, For any open world open world game that does that. Open world games, um, story based games, like sometimes you, uh, the developer wants to trigger a scene, a, mm. a cutscene or whatever, and it won't always turn out that the character will enter that cutscene unless you railroad them to that cutscene, and most developers don't want to do that because they still want to give you your freedom while you're there. And so there's a lot of games, especially RPGs, um, that what they'll do is usually they'll have like a really broad entrance to something. Mm, and, they'll, and they'll do their best to like, once you hit a certain point, then they'll kind of walk you to the spot and yep. then trigger the cutscene themselves. Um, one of the things Horizon Zero Dawn did, which I don't hold against them because, again, these are first-time open-world developers. That's true. I didn't think um, about that aspect. Or even first-time first action game developers, you know? Right. Is they actually did it to where you enter an area and the screen kind of cuts real quick. Yep. And then the the nice thing about it is there wasn't a loading screen. So that was their, that was one of the things they did right. But it did... Maybe that's why it, it was like the black, yeah, the black Yeah, the black screen was really quick. And it, yeah. what it did is like the black screen allowed them to reposition all of their models in the places that they needed to be f- right. for their scene to be more cinematic. Which, again, as jarring as that thing was, and it's, you know, it, as you can, you can nitpick at those kinds of things and say maybe they could have done that better. But at the same time, if you really think about it, the cutscenes themselves, the reward for that, that, that jarring moment actually... Uh, it still panned out, you know. the The cutscenes were really well. The voice acting was really good. Um, I think that again, I, for a first foray into into that into that oh, genre, no, they, 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 it was they, it was beautiful. Yeah, it's a beautiful game. Um, but yeah, what you were saying in terms of like part of like how railroading can can and can't or shouldn't be used in certain times. Um, that is my phone this time. Um, it was it was used in a way where. They did. They they used it right, but they were unable to execute it properly. Hmm. Or I, it properly seems like there's like a defined way to do it. But you know what I mean. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Um, but yeah. So there, I mean, there's advantages. There's disadvantages. There's always ways to work around them. There's unique ways. Like, man, one of the things I've I've liked so much about the new uh, the new Tomb Raider games, and I picked it out early on, is how they how they load in areas like. The fact that you like you know you you hammer into a wall you pick out a thing and then you kind of slide through the little path. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. And you know, Which I mean, is a I lot know like a as God a of war game really right. And I know as a developer that that's the loading time. They have to make sure that it takes a little bit of time. They're cutting out all the objects behind you. They're forcing the camera to be stuck a certain way. They're loading in the objects as they go. And by the time you're out, you didn't have to look at a touch. You didn't have to the touch screen. Line. Load screen. You didn't have to look at a load screen. You didn't have to see some little spinning icon or whatever. And you were there. And it it, it kind of lends to this idea that you don't want to stop the gameplay. Open world games, that's kind of their big, their claim to fame is that you don't want to stop the gameplay. And like you were saying yeah. earlier, that jarring effect, you're already stopping my gameplay, but you're also not giving me time to recognize that you're stopping my gameplay. You're just doing it, you know? So I guess they are, like, I guess I guess Horizon, you're right. You know, is this their first foray into it? And um, I, I guess... I. I guess that that game just stuck out in my head as being jarring as far as narrative went, but you know I forgot about um, Tomb Raider and actually the transitions were great in that, and uh, maybe they are really getting better, and maybe just now the advantage for you know railroading is 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 those set pieces yes to make it more yeah. epic epic yeah I mean if you think about it like we 
I think we have established that we're we're bigger fans of more linear games because of the the um, I, I guess want it, the, I want it epic. Yeah, I the 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 idea of the reason why it's railroad, the reason why I'm put on a path is to experience a story that was meant to be that that's wanted to be told by the developer right. by the writers, and whereas an open world, um, if you do it right you've established a world that somebody wants to occupy and all of the gameplay is leading that way into occupying a world that already has life in it and mm. you're simply another life that's part of it. Maybe you're a special life in that world and that's how the, that's how you can build the story around that. But when you're doing that, you're still writing from an unknown character's perspective. You're kind of writing from... You're writing from the player's perspective, which is definitely a writing skill in and of its own. I, You know, I almost wonder if there's actually three different types of uh open world because what, uh, that be? what would that be well because there's also the type that like a uh, terraria or minecraft where it's basically just it's completely sandbox and you know they're just well do, you could call it that i mean yeah, just i mean you, you could do. call it that it is that yeah i mean there there's definitely well i think that's why i asked earlier um if you thought uh minecraft or like a starbound or a terraria were were open world games and we were like yeah i would say that yeah. but they're definitely a different type there is technically no narrative in any of those games. I guess you could just also say, like, you could also have a game that says, hey, there's open world aspects. And, right. you know, there's just varying degrees of open world to... Right. If you, you know, actually think about it, video games in general kind of have gone from being, this is a game. This is the game. Mm-hmm. This is an action. This is a fighting. This is a that. This is that. To a point where now, I mean, much like music, where we went from having three genres, you know, to now every song is a blend of you know 16 different genres every game is a is a blend of every, of the developers influences over their whole lives you know they got 30 40 years under their belt of just playing games and if what if they what? if they started playing Nintendo they have all their influences from Nintendo Super Sega Genesis Nintendo 64 PlayStation X, you know what i mean yeah what, what's what's that uh Chris Pine movie that's supposed to be coming out it's like it's like Ninja Cowboy I don't remember. What? Yeah, it's like called uh-huh. Ninja Cowboy Assassin. I don't. I really don't know. Yeah, that's a uh, that's yeah. I think that that's a uh, that's one of those things that a lot of games are doing nowadays. Is just making sure that we're not Chris Pine, uh, Chris Pratt. No, oh, I've never even heard of it. Then. Um. Yeah. So I mean, I think the whole genre blending thing, especially for for games like a like a uh, like a Minecrafter. Or Terraria and stuff like that. It's just it is technically open world. It is technically sandbox. But then all of them like, oh well, this one's sci-fi or this one's yeah. fantasy or yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut in with it. It's Cowboy Ninja Viking. What the heck? <laughs> we'll have to watch the trailer in the next break. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, no, it's not, there's no trailer yet. Uh-huh. I'm not even sure they're gonna go through with it. Um, I was thinking about this though, like, like even even these games like Terraria and Minecraft and even the Xenoblade Chronicles X, mm-hmm. they still do things the the kind of wrinkle or wrangle you in um right well i mean like so in terraria if you oh you never really played terraria but if you keep on going down too far underground you get to like lava or something right you do get to lava but that's not the 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 hard part it's just uh the like there all of a sudden there's these wizard things that they'll teleport right next to you and shoot you and they're really powerful you'll go up and there's these really powerful birds or you'll go too far left and there's these really powerful whatever and um it's probably they probably do that as a, a um, you're probably like memory management because if you think about it, you can go 
everywhere in these worlds as long as you dig deep enough dig far enough to left far enough to you know what i mean like you can build up and build around all these things so i'm assuming that because they have to load all of this into memory it gets to a certain point where they might need to kill you because you're, you're getting too far you're making too much progress oh, i you know but i also, think it's because well i mean for me it's you always need a level of es- escalation you know true and uh it, and it makes sense like like okay well you you got to do a little bit of exploring in your area and, and and get this stuff and 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 now you can journey a little bit further you know it's 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 a way of um but but you can you can gain experience going any way you want but you have to gain experience to go farther essentially right oh oh we need you to build up all you can in this smaller area in order to progress further into the other areas. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, they even and, and then Xenoblade Chronicles X. Um, I mean, if you really think about it, all games are railroaded in some way. Yeah. So. Well, in this one, you know, you can go anywhere you want, and uh, except for there's high places you can't get until you get I don't know what they're called. Until you encounter those giant, giant monsters, and they're like, "Oh my gosh, this guy's real." Well, no, you you get the the. I don't know what they're calling that one. Gears or oh, the suits, the yeah. suits or whatever, the the robot suits and everything, because then you can fly up. But it It'd also be funny if they were called eggs, like from um, from Xeno Saga. Mm. They're probably not. I can't a- remember. It's A G W S. Yeah, I don't remember. But uh, but it also yeah, doesn't. Uh, it also doesn't like. I don't think it would ever penalize you too if you figure out some like, like where the map's all messed up and allows you to climb up where you're not really supposed to. Right. It's not really going to penalize you. It's like, good luck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, pretty much. So, um, I mean, we've talked a lot about the the contained. Um, I guess we we oh, inadvertently talked a lot about the uncontained yeah, as well. Yeah, we kind of talked about both. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of open world stuff. <laughs> Considering, it seems like every topic I say I'm not like a huge fan of, I still, I've played a lot of them. And I think that's maybe maybe why I'm able to say I'm not a huge fan of these things because I do play a lot and I go, okay, yeah, maybe I don't like this as well, much. Well, before I started doing research on open world games and, every, and really thinking about it, um, you know, I had it in my head where I'm like, you know, open world games aren't, aren't my jam. But but like the more I started thinking about it, um, maybe it wasn't so much when, when, you know, Skyrim first came out, but I mean, they're really making a lot of leaps and bounds as far as those go, you know, to make them more accessible and right. more entertaining i mean i mean breath of the wild was I mean, it was really was incredible even yeah. though it's not the zelda that you know i wanted but oh gosh not my <laughs> zelda <laughs> it's not my zelda but uh <laughs> no it was it was a great game so yeah um i guess i guess that's kind of i guess that's kind of it really really that's all you got yeah well i mean i guess you talk more but i mean you put down here assassin's creed are we talking about the new ones the uncontained. Yeah, you know, I was going to talk about Assassin's Creed, but then I've only played Odyssey, and I haven't played too much of it. They're uh, they've definitely evolved. They're different now, you know. Like, I mean, I mean, I suppose the earlier Assassin's Creed games were more contained, contained for sure, and then the newer ones are a lot more open world, uncontained. Yeah, open world, Un- open world, uncontained, open worlds. Yeah, it's a subject. Double genre, a subsection. Mm, okay, yeah. yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Um, so what do we plan on talking about next time? Uh, next week, uh, we're actually going to talk about the series finale for Game of Thrones. Sweet. Two 
like two series in a row that have like finally come to like uh, a nice conclusion. Mind you, what, with what's the, the other one? Uh, the Marvel series. Oh, Avengers. So well, that one. So yeah. that one's like a like a like a like an it's an ending to an era for sure, well, but it's definitely like a beginning to a new era. I suppose it's. I suppose the other one's not really ending either. Oh, the Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what I'm saying. They're both endings to eras. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think of earlier. But yeah. So we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna discuss that now. What do you think we? What do you want to? Do you want to? want to talk about it as in a whole as a whole, or do you want to talk about just a, the ending episode, ending season? Um. Or so my plan is to talk about the last episode, and we might have to get in a few episodes before that, or talk about a little bit of the ones before that, and then uh, I want to talk about character payoffs. Okay. And uh, and then before we leave, um, one of my one of my coworkers. Um, she has a Twitch channel, and her group is called Landhouse. Uh, How do you spell that? Landhouse. It's L A N H O U S E. Okay, I'm just making sure. <laughs> I gotta be. Hey, and people uh, spell things differently. Well, actually, I think it's Landhouse Seattle. And uh, but you can find her on uh, Twitch TV at uh, Shriku S H R Y K U. And this will all be in the in the notes. Yeah, it'll be in the notes. And uh, at Landhouse, you might have seen this. This um, is called is called uh, Biz. I think it's Business. And uh, he's the, he's the little Super Nintendo. Like he's, it kind of looks like a Muppet, but he's he's a Super Nintendo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, and unfortunately, we just we just missed. She had a chair. She was doing a charity stream uh, for the month for St. Jude's Hospital, and we actually just missed that. But we'll have to talk about it next year and, yeah, and let people know. for sure. For sure. Oh yeah. So I guess uh, since we're closing this out, you can find me on the interwebs on Twitter at f y n r i r b a n e Fenrirbane, and you can find me at nvg Dave. I the names just seem so weird. <laughs> Anyways, well, should I give us? St- okay, I know. No, no, I no, give no. the story behind it. Did you already? I don't know. You can see. You can I mean, it's not like a big deal. Like I used to work at Dairy Queen. Like people called me Dairy, DQ Dave, and then I was a manager at another another place, and they called me Manager Dave. And then now I'm Dave IT, and I just thought MVG Dave seemed appropriate. Okay. Even though it's basic and simple. Still David. Okay. Cool. <laughs> um, also, if you have any questions, if you have any other open world games experiences with open world games that you really wanted to share, um, you can email us at nbgpodcast at gmail.com and um, also if you could it helps uh, subscribing or following the podcast on um, on Spotify well, that would be great um, maybe I should just been podcasting I don't I don't think so it's still a day I guess it's still as lame as all the other ones <laughs> um, yeah and on that note uh, yeah, until next time <laughs>